Welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. This is a podcast all about the rhythms of our life and how uh, all of the things that we do contribute or can influence or impact our faith and the relationships around us. We've been spending this season in the Enneagram, which is a way of analyzing our sort of core motivations, not necessarily behaviors, and that's a clear distinction from some other ways of looking at, you know, personality types, Myers-Briggs or whatever, but really our motivations. So if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, you're just joining us, you're going to want to go back and listen to the first couple episodes because we talk about the Enneagram broadly um, and then work our way through each number. Now we're talking about some of the nuances of the Enneagram model uh, and we're talking this episode specifically about subtypes. Again, general overview in the last episode about what subtypes are. We're going to go through sort of number by number and explain how some of these subtypes show up, for example. Yeah, and so just a uh, review of last week, the best way to summarize the three subtypes, uh, the self-preservation, one-on-one, and social, is the self-preservation thinks me, the one-on-one thinks you and me, and the social thinks all of us. And again, those are motivations. The actions can look different, but what we're talking about is that someone who is a self-preservation subtype, their motivation is primarily looking at themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, For someone who's one-on-one, their motivation is primarily thinking about how a close relationship is managed or how to establish a connection with someone. Uh, And then a social is their behaviors are impacted by wanting to belong, kind of. So let's do it. I mean, we started to talk about the ones a little bit uh, yeah. last episode, but maybe we can give a quick review. Yeah, and we'll play this game of we talked about subtypes. We talked about countertypes a little bit in the last episode. And if you don't know what countertype is, listen to the previous episode. And we're going to play a little game. Nate, I want you to guess which one of these guess is the countertype. countertype. <laughs> now, the thing that's interesting about the subtypes is uh, each subtype is given like a name or a title that's different from the core type. So the, the one is the perfectionist, the reformer, whatever, but each subtype has, and, and this is just a way to articulate a bit of the flavor of that subtype. Okay. So there are basically, there are nine types with three types of subtypes each that creates 27 different um, subtypes okay. with type, different titles. Yeah. So as you listen, you might uh, resonate with one of these subtypes, and that might be a clue that you're perhaps this subtype. Yeah. So we'll start with the one. The self-preservation one, the name of it is called worry. So self-pres one, they seek perfection in themselves, and they constantly feel like they are not good enough. And so Mm. they look after themselves and get what they need or how do I become the idealized self? Yeah. The one-on-one type is called zeal. And they seek perfection by reforming or perfecting others, not just themselves. And so they connect with others and they seek intensity and intimacy in those relationships. Okay. And then the social one is called non-adaptable. They seek perfection by role modeling perfect behavior for other people so they seek to navigate the social system whatever that system is by being right and correct in how they do things what they do and how they show up 
So that that makes sense to me. I mean, we talked about this last episode that that the zeal um, subtype is the counter type. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 yeah, ding. hooray! One point for Nate. But what makes sense is that while the other two are primarily focused on their own behavior, yeah, the the zeal is focused on other people, like reforming outside. And the one I think is generally sort of looking inwards. Uh, what we would say with about the zeal counter type is that in some ways they're trying to address the, their internal, you know, disruption, imperfection. imperfection by adjusting the behaviors of those around them. Yes. Yeah. I definitely. Yep. Yeah, I worry and zeal. Um, I think. I think all those close to me would feel really <laughs> confident that that was uh, <laughs> that was where I land. Um, so if one of those feels right to you and you're a one, that uh, that could be an indication of your subtype. Yeah, and again, well, the one, they have uh, they have to do the right thing or the good thing. Yeah. Number two, uh, again, if you forget the what two is, they have to be liked and appreciated. They need to be needed. And so the subtypes of a one, the self, I mean two, I'm sorry, the self-pres two is called privilege. So they try to earn appreciation and love by being charming and irresistible to others. And and they're more aware of their own needs and wants and are less overtly self-sacrificing. Okay. The one-on-one two is called enchant. So they try to earn appreciation and love by shaping themselves to meet a specific person's need. And so they try to seduce, quote-unquote, twos would hate that i i don't seduce but they they try to seduce right. in the hopes that uh uh that their own needs will be met by being uh um alluring or attractive not necessarily physically yeah it, although it could be that but just relationally yeah so enchant and then the social two is called ambition they try to uh, earn appreciation love through acts of service to a broader community that they belong to and by not demanding a lot from other people. So mm. they appeal to the group and their ambitious nature by a caring style of leadership. All right. So if I was going to try to guess the subtype, uh, I'm going to give... Countertype. Countertype, sorry. The, the countertype, I would tend to say is the self-preservation too. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yes. So I'm starting to see how some of this works because uh, again, w- the, while the, the f- second two subtypes do tend to be others focused, which is typical of a two. Yes. The first one that you talked about is far more um, sort of consciously uh, self-focused, right. which is the counter type yeah. of the two. Yeah. All right. I'm getting it. And, I'm the, getting it. and again, with their label being called privilege, it's, yeah. it's themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So going to the three, which is they have this need to succeed. They have to outshine other people. So the three subtypes, the self-pres three is called security. So they define success in terms of being effective, being efficient, balanced with integrity and humility. And so they work hard not, not to appear ambitious, um, but to, to be the kind of person that other people would approve can, of. Like can rely on, sort of. Yeah. Look, n- not only rely on, but they, 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 other people would say, I approve of you. Ah, I see. So that's called security. The one-on-one... Type three is called charisma. 
So they define success as um, helping others and achieving success. Okay. And so they work hard to attract influence through charisma and appealing to their personality. And the social three is called prestige. And so they define success by outshining other people, beating the competition. And so they work hard to be noticed and valued by others. And they appreciate being seen as important and influential by others. Hmm. All right. This one's a little trickier. I don't, know if, I don't know if our listeners have a, uh, have a thought, but I'm a little bit stuck on this one. I, I think... If I'm just going to take a stab, and again, for a one to risk being wrong in public <laughs> is really, like, this is a hard game. I don't play games like this. Uh, I, I, w- I would actually probably go back to the first one, the self-preservation three. Ding, 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 ding. Am ding. I right again? Yes. <laughs> right. Again, the only clue that I had was that in some ways it felt like the other two uh, were um, sort of like outward demonstrations. Mm of success uh, versus the first one, which was sort of like more more personal and not quite so much um, achievement-oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I right about that? Y- yeah, you are. Okay. okay. A- a- and I have met threes who don't appear to be threes because they have a slacker kind of appearance. Okay. And oftentimes when I when I find out they're a three, they're, they're most likely... Uh, self-prized because they actually work hard not to appear ambitious. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. But it's still, but again, their, their desire is to sort of like still like achieve something. Yes. But they, they the, what they want to achieve, like you were saying is the approval of other people. I see. And that gives them a sense of security versus like a social three, which prestige mm-hmm. it's, it's obvious yeah. the way they dress, the yeah. way they talk, the way they present themselves. They they are out to to win it and to be successful. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. Okay. All right. Three for three. No Man. pressure. <laughs> Nate, you're gonna get like eight out of nine, oh and you're gonna be gosh, like, dude. I stink. I'm, I I'm literally the more I get right, the more I dread the first one I get wrong. So my my anxiety is growing. Oh no. <laughs> So the four, they have, uh, they they have this need to be different, mm-hmm. to be unique and authentic. So the self-prez four is called tenacity. So they set themselves apart from other fours by being tenacious and goal-oriented, and they actively seek out what they believe is missing in their lives. And so they hope to be appreciated for their ability to suffer and struggle without complaining. Okay. The one-on-one four is called competition. Mm. And they visibly strive to set themselves apart from others by focusing on how uh, different they are, even competing to be more special than (laughs) other people, than other fours even. Okay. And and so their suffering is typically expressed as a sense of neediness. They, They need more care and attention than other people. Oh, okay. And the social four, it's called shame. They want to be unique. They want to be appreciated for their struggles and their suffering. And they believe that their suffering is more meaningful uh, than others. Uh, like their suffering is harder. Their struggle is more challenging. And they often share their struggles in an attempt to attract 
attention. Oh, man. I'm stumped on this one. I'm trying to think of it, which of these would feel like, in some ways, it shows up and feels like, well, that doesn't seem like a four. Mm-hmm. Um, man. I I don't, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to say self-preservation. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and no. <laughs> because I think that that type of four would show up being driven uh, yep. is, doesn't necessarily feel like they're pursuing uniqueness. Although right. again, the drive is that they are um, trying to, to be different by how much they achieve. Mm-hmm. That that could show up feeling like oh maybe they're a three or maybe they're an eight or right, something like right, that right right yes and, and in fact you know going back to the two where the social was called ambition mm-hmm. you might mistake that for a three yeah if yeah. it was just outward behavior because they strive to be amb- uh, and they're ambitious and just like competition which was the the one on one four. You might think, well, they're they're so they're striving so much to be competitive, mm-hmm. but again, the the motive is different. Yeah, for them, they they want to be noticed. Like, man, you you work so hard, and you know you're you're just so special in that way. That that yeah. is music to one on ones. Yeah, uh, a four that's one on one. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The the four's ability, the self pres four. What's different about them is they will not show you. Uh, the 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 emotional turmoil mm-hmm. that they are feeling, mm-hmm. a- and they get their sense of uniqueness by how much I'm going to struggle through this and yeah. not complain. That's what ma- makes me special. Yeah, it's funny because I think about uh, so my my four plays the violin, uh, <laughs> and I think about like there's kind of like this joke in the classical or the string instrument world about how like weird violinists are, yeah. and I think that there are probably quite a few violinists that would be the the uh the self-preservation for because in order to in order to sort of uh differentiate yourself as a violin player you have to you have to be driven in a way that a lot of fours are are not necessarily yeah and so i it's funny i'm imagining like someone who's you know first chair in an orchestra and would probably be a four but like their drive would be what really ends up coming through when you kind of see them from the outside Mm -hmm. right their drive without complaining too yeah yes yeah exactly just be like well this is what eight hours of practice a day that's just what i do you know yeah it's my job Yeah. yeah yeah so going on to type five they have uh, the need to know or understand so a self-pres five is called castle so they seek understanding and they want to be self-sufficient by withdrawing from others self-pres they may uh, and so they maintain strong boundaries and just to make sure that they are in complete control of their limited resources meaning their energy and mm-hmm. time Aaron, uh, who was our five example, talked about that yeah. kind of as the way that he operated a lot of times. Yeah. The one-on-one five is called confidant. And they want to understand and improve their ability to engage with the world by finding people who, who get them. Hmm. So they're less concerned about boundaries and self-sufficiency and focus on connecting with others and by connecting with others, that they fulfill their quest for understanding. Okay. Confidant. Yeah. The social 
five is called totem, like a totem pole. So they, they, they seek understanding by pursuing something really unique and sometimes really esoteric. Some, something like if, if, if it's not mainstream, they like that. And so they, they want new paradigms. They have these ideals and they have this ongoing search that, and this feeling that if they discover the right knowledge, this esoteric knowledge out there, that they will feel more secure. So, like the people that are like, I like bands you haven't even heard of yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. I'm going to, I feel a little bit more uh, sure about this one, but I'm going to say that the, the counter type is the one-on-one, the confidant. Ding, 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 ding. And here's why. It's because the other two are primarily sort of knowledge-based and the confidant is relationship-based. Mm. And I think that that for a five would show up as a counter type. Yes. Like, how can you be a five? Like you, you, you're always like spending time with people. Right. Whereas most fives tend to be a little bit more isolated or um, uh, introverted. Yeah. Or, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's All good. All right. All right. Getting the hang of it. I am. Pride I am. comes before a fall. I know, dude. <laughs> Every number fills me with fear. <laughs> so the six is uh, they have the need to be safe and to belong. They have the need to, for security. So the six, self-press, six is called warmth. They create security by building strong relationships and alliances around them, almost as a way of protection. They try to avoid danger by being supportive and friendly and warm. Okay. The one-on-one six is called intimidation. And so they create security by acting in a um, unfearful way, meeting danger head-on. And so they can appear fierce and strong and even intimidating. Got it. And then the social six is called duty. So they create a sense of security by finding out the rules and policies and procedures of this larger group that they're a part of and by adhering to them. And by being dutiful and respectful of authority, that's where they get their sense of belonging. Yeah. And this is a little unfair because we did talk about this yeah, in yeah, our yeah. last episode, but but the uh, the one-on-one is the counter type for the six, intimidation. Yes. Right. And it makes more sense if you know that, that so the six is sometimes called the... The loyalist, yeah. right? And so if you think about someone who's exhibiting warmth and building relationships, someone who like acts in in ways that are dutiful, you know, understanding the rules and following the rules, both of those are like, oh yeah, loyalty makes sense there. Yeah. Someone who is uh, and I think we talked about this last episode, someone who is kind of like combative or that that doesn't feel like that would be a loyalist. Right. But the key is that all three of those subtypes are pursuing security. Yes. And doing it in different ways. Yes. And so in some ways, the counter type does that by putting up enough personal armor or being sort of on the attack. It's like the best defense is a good offense. I know that phrase is switched, but that's kind of how they're thinking, right? Yeah. The best defense is a good offense. And the best way to help a, a counter type six is not... It, is is not to engage in that fierce combat mm-hmm. that that they're showing off, but instead to see the fear behind the armor, yeah, and, and help address the fear, yeah, yeah. So I will say that, and I don't know if this is like purely how she acts, but my daughter, who's a six, um, will when. She, she would she often when she is worried or feeling insecure she moves into sort of like bossiness 
Uh, she'll start telling people like, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And it wasn't until uh, uh, I think we were talking about the sixes that I realized like, oh, that is her. That's how she's addressing her fear right. when she feels insecure about something that's going to happen. Or if she's in a situation where she doesn't feel comfortable, right. she tends to get um, sort of. Uh, I mean, aggressive isn't quite the right word, but you get what I'm saying. She mm-hmm. shows up in a, in a way different. She doesn't look fearful, right? Um, uh, but that is what she's addressing. Yeah, and I mean, uh, again, I know her too, and so she can be really sweet and yep. playful, and you may never think that until she feels anxiety, and then, and this is what happens, right? When you look at motivations, oh, what's going on? You're acting so differently, yeah. and so people may, might think like, oh, she's a seven. She's so sweet and so yeah. playful, and Actually, no. Again, the motivation. I will say that that for me was a revelation Mm. um, in terms of uh, helping her navigate anxiety was understanding that it comes from a really, really different place than mine does. Mm. My my anxiety is always rooted in what am I trying to control that is outside of my control? I mean, always. Uh, Hers is far more about being afraid that options are going to be taken away from her. Like uh, kind of like, I'm going to have to do this. I'm, I'm going to lose my sort of sense of choice. And so understanding that it was that like all I really need to say in a lot of circumstances is you have a hundred choices here and I'm going to help you make whichever one of these hundred choices feels best. That addresses it. Yeah. Whereas for me, somebody saying that it's like, I don't care. I want you to make sure that everybody else chooses this or I'm, you know, this one choice that is the right choice. It's just a really, really different way. Yeah. So understanding the different motivations for the same behavior, which is anxiety, has been helpful as a parent. Right. And going back to something we talked about a couple episodes ago about wings, even your, the, the narrative that then the words you chose or that she says about limiting choice mm-hmm. she's probably a seven wing, wing seven absolutely because yeah, seven which is the next they have a need to avoid pain and they have this need to experience everything experience it all live life to the fullest so seven subtypes the self-press sub subtype of a seven is called network and so they want freedom in really practical and pragmatic ways. And so they avoid pain and discomfort by looking for opportunities and building alliances around them to support whatever quest or new thing that they're engaging in. Okay. The one-on-one seven is called fascination. So they seek freedom by escaping into their imagination. They, They avoid pain and discomfort by, you know, embellishing reality, reframing any pleasant experiences mm-hmm. and then the social seven is called sacrifice so they help to escape discomfort and, and pain by trying to be a good person and putting others needs first and so they seek freedom by being undemanding sacrificing easy and hoping that other people will reciprocate so uh and i think we've probably talked probably not on a podcast or maybe we have but i think we've talked about this before that the subtype the counter type for a seven is the sacrifice. Form, ding, ding, right? ding, yeah. ding. And, and for me, the way that that plays out is that uh, putting others first restricts your choices. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and for a seven that, that should look, that should be the opposite. Right. But if you understand that in some ways they are putting others first in the hopes that other opportunities arise out of that alliance right. or, or that, that someone will reciprocate, 
and sort of free them up to make other choices, you can see how the, the, the motivation is still the same. Yes. So uh, I, I get it. I get it. And I, and I think we've also talked about this, but my wife, Amy, who was on the podcast uh, when we talked about sevens, I, we think is probably this sacrifice yeah. subcategory. Yeah. Right. Because some people might, uh, if you look at the behavior, some people might say, oh, your wife is a seven. She, she seems so calm mm -hmm. and reassuring. She's not the playful type that I imagine a seven being. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the reason why. But again, going back to motivation, yeah. she still wants to experience many things. And, and the way to avoid pain is by helping others. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Um, the eight self-prez is called satisfaction. And so they assert their strength by being fiercely independent. They know what they want and need, and they go out and get it, and they don't allow anybody to stop them. That doesn't sound like anybody here. So. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it doesn't. It does not. One-on-one, -on -one, eight, is called possession. And so they assert their strength in a charismatic and charming way. Think of, again, one-on-one -on -one relationships. They hope to capture the crowd's attention, and they're comfortable taking the lead and telling others what to do. They take possession of the relationships. And the social eight is called solidarity. They assert their strength on behalf of other people. They want to protect everybody. They want to support the needs of the underdog. They stand up for others in the face of abuse and oppression and uh, control. Uh, is the counter type solidarity? Ding, 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 ding. The, wow. the difference that I see here is that um, in the first two, uh, it there is sort of like an independence or that like the attention is in some ways focused on them mm -hmm. as an individual. Yep. Whereas in the solidarity subtype, what ends up happening is that attention is directed away from the eight yep. towards whatever it is that they're passionate about or the, the people they're trying to sort of elevate. Yep. Yeah. And a good example of this too, as somebody who is a social eight, one of our pastors just discovered he's not a three. He's actually a social eight. Ah, yes. And I told him, oh, this makes so much it sense. It does. Right? Now, you see this. And, and I remember a long time ago, he said to me, Sung, I remember you told me, are you sure you're not an eight a long ah. time ago? And he thought, I'm not the kind of uh, overtly aggressive kind of, you know, boundless energy kind of yeah. get my way or the highway type person. Yeah. But then when we talked about him being a social subtype eight, all the lights start to go on. Yeah. You go, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when you, when you, you might hear in, in some books or podcasts about eight being protectors of the underdog, that's true of eights in general, but so true yeah. of the social eight. Which makes sense, especially when you think about his passions. You know, yeah. he does a ton of work with Compassion International mm -hmm. um, to end human trafficking. Yep. He gets really excited as sort of every fall as we ramp up a ministry season where he's like, man, we're going to get everybody sort of moving <laughs> in this direction together, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, that makes a, makes a ton of sense yeah. about him. Yep. One more. Oh, man. Oh. I love getting 100%. <laughs> so <laughs> I might blow it just uh, just to, like, work against myself. <laughs> so nines, they have to keep the balance. They, they have a need to um, avoid conflict and confrontation. So the self-pres nine is called appetite. 
and they establish a sense of connection through routines and little comforts, and they keep the peace by being very undemanding, um, being very independent, and low maintenance. Okay. One-on-one nines are called fusion, and so they establish a sense of connection through uh, connecting with other significant people in their lives. And so they keep the peace by taking on other people's beliefs and opinions, even even like shutting down their own thoughts. Okay. They just fuse themselves. Yeah. Social nines, participation. So they connect to groups and others, um, and they show up in a way that's harmonious and in ways that other people feel at peace. And so they focus on what's good for the group as a whole, and they, they are the people who, who usually play an active role in facilitation. Hmm. I, I will say I actually am a little bit stumped on this one. Yeah, this one is hard. Uh, trying to think of like wh- who, which of those might sh- feel like it shows up as something different than a nine, sort of like a mm. peacemaker or someone who's sort of like go with the flow. Uh, and I, mm, I don't, I, I'm seriously stumped on this. One. Oh man. I, I'm not even just pretending. I'm not even just pretending to, to avoid pursuing perfection. <laughs> I'm legitimately stumped. Um, I don't, so I don't want to take too long because it's boring for other everyone to listen to me try to figure <laughs> out what this is. I'm just going to say, I don't know. I'm going to mark that I got this one wrong, mm. and you can just give us the answer. It's the social. Okay. To help me help me understand a little bit more about how that works. Because, again, for them, they're instead of... Um, in, instead of feeling at peace within themselves, they're trying to bring peace to the outer world. I see. I see. Right? The others want to, like, the others want to either feel peace within themselves yeah. or peace within themselves in a one-on-one relationship. Okay. But the social one, I mean, the, they, they bring it out by helping the group feel at peace, mm-hmm. and that's what brings them peace. I see. I mean, in some ways, I can also see that taking place. You know, nines can be, the ones that I know are kind of like, so go with the flow, but yep. and I think of my daughter who's a nine. She's often happy just to sort of sit on the edge and watch. Yeah, sort of like sit on the periphery. Whereas the social nine, it sounds like they're kind of like right in the mix. Yeah, in some a- ways. And if you meet a nine and they're very sociable, mm-hmm. you might think, well, they don't show up as a nine because yeah. sh- a lot of times nines don't know how to show up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and while okay. the social nine might feel that on the inside. The, the way they deal with that is to make sure everybody is getting along. Okay. And the motivation, but again, the motivation of being like a, a like of experiencing peace internally or externally or both is still the driver. Yeah. It's not like for, a, a, you know, let's say a seven who is engaging socially in a group is kind of like, let's have a party sort of a thing. Yeah. You know, they're looking for a new experience or, um, but that's not necessarily why a nine would show up sort of deeply embedded and committed to a group. Yeah, they, they want to show up so that they could keep balance yeah. in the group. Interesting. And by keeping balance, uh, the whole group feels peace, and so they feel at peace. Yeah. All right. So to all of our listeners, how did you do? I got eight out of nine, which I will consider an acceptable score. Uh, if you took the test, let us know how you did. 
We have more to talk about when it comes to the Enneagram. We're going to be talking about tri types in the next episode, correct? And that's like going from medium water to deep water. Oh man. So listen, if you're if this is <laughs> if you feel like this is more than your brain can handle, just wait till next episode. We are going to blow your mind. But until then, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. We hope to see you next time. <laughs> Doing that quiz was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it interjects something different. Yeah, yep, it's good. Yeah.